ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of Final Leave it. Get off. You knock it off. All right. Today and our no no no. We'll, we'll scratch that. <laughs> I need to know what I'm gonna say before I start talking. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of Vinyl Stallions, where we will be continuing our Women in Music Part 2 album review series. And today we have a special guest on who happens to be my wife, Gabrielle Michelle, <laughs> um, to review the album Folklore by Taylor Swift. And so, yeah, this album was released, I believe, in 2020. She wrote the songs during COVID when she was locked in her house. And then we got this album. And then there's another album that pretty much pairs with this one evermore, which is like Folklore Part 2. But we're doing Folklore Part 1, which is Folklore. So here we go. Spruce, how are you doing over there in Cleveland? Well, I just want to give a shout out to Gab. She has been the hidden photographer behind Vinyl Stallions, all things club. And uh, <laughs> it is fantastic to have you on. I appreciate you joining us and also appreciate you picking this album because like, holy shit, is this a whole different vibe than what people assume Taylor Swift has to offer? Thank you for the credit because I get so mad every time. I'm like, do I not get any credit for any of the photos? And he goes, nope, they're just going on there. Club, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I see you're in our DM saying, what the fuck? Tag me. Show me some love. <laughs> I forget that you can see it sometimes. And then Adam just he's like, stop doing that. JJ just sitting here judging us. Uh, I'm not judging it. I'm loving it. I'm judging him for not giving you the credit you deserve. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Next time I'll throw it in there. Well, sometimes it's just like a picture that we're putting on our story. I'm like, I put effort into that. You know, <laughs> he picked the best of like 40 pictures those, I took of him. Those should be the post, honestly. Make them make stories post 2024. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, no, sh- yeah, th- this again offers just like a whole different uh, vibe than again what I assume. So, Taylor Swift, I just immediately go back to freshman year of high school and just love story, baby, just say yes. That is like my T-Swift, the shit. And then, I mean, I don't know, I continue in like that blank space and like uh, that kind of era of T-Swift. And then when I got to college is when like Shake It Off became the main hit of T-Swift. And mm-hmm. a neighbor next to me, her name is Hannah, we slept probably like inches away from each other. There was just a wall separating us. And I, I think she sang that song every hour on the hour for about four months straight. And that <laughs> just turned me off of these. I was just like, God damn. I'm like, I, I need a break. And it brought me up until obviously her just huge 2023 that she's having right now in regards to her tour and everything to venture a little bit uh, in more. And um, Klepp has also added a handful of her songs on to our stampede shuffle which you can find on spotify and i assume you've inspired him gab and he's been like okay this is a damn good song i'm throwing this on yes i really like taylor swift i 
I'm about two years younger than her. So when she's putting out music, I'm at the age that she was when she was writing that music. So it's really been relevant for me for my whole life. Um, I kind of really liked 1989, fell off for a while and got back into her when she came out with Folklore because I was really into folky music at the time. We had just bought a house and Adam was always playing softball. So he was always gone at his softball stuff. So I was alone painting a lot of the house and I just had this on repeat. So it played an annoying amount in our house for all of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I mean, that's why I got the vinyl too. Mm -hmm. No, I really like it. It's a, it's a grew up with her. So I was going through the same things at the same time that she was putting out this music and folklore is really different from what she normally put out. She actually had just had her lover tour canceled and just because of COVID, everything was shut down. And this is the first kind of non-autobiographical album she's put out. So it has stories in it. It's a lot more of a transition from her lover album and a lot of her previous work. It's a lot more folky. She only worked with one or two other artists to put it together. So I really enjoyed it. It's been a good, it's been a good album. And Spruce, sort of like you, like shake it off, like at, when that song came out, I was working at Cole's and that song played there probably like every third or fourth song. So yeah, like I, I got sick of it too. And then, yeah, like I just wanted nothing to do with like anything Taylor Swift. And then this album came out and it just sounded way different. And so I was intrigued. It, it Yeah. I was just going to say, it sucks that that happens with like just, uh, casual listening wherever you are and how it can turn you off from an artist when it's just like one song it happens it happens to everyone i bet too if we went through the album that shake it off is on like that's probably like one of the worst three songs on the album so like i would throw a hundred dollars on the table right now i guarantee you there's probably like other songs on there that are way better but of course they're not the ones that will make the radio there's actually a song on this album about that. Um, this is me trying is kind of about how a lot of people got burnt out by her. So she disappeared. Nobody saw her in public for, I think like a year and a half or two years because like the media people, everybody turned on her. They didn't want anything to do with her because she was so oversaturated. So she disappeared for a really long time and then came back out with reputation. So hmm. she, I mean, that really hurt her career for a long time. She disappeared from the public eye for years. Interesting. And so, Gab, yeah, uh, so you both saw uh, Taylor this past summer, correct? Mm-hmm. And are, I know she likes pulling out some hidden gems is what I'm hearing at some of her concerts, and everyone gets excited when they hear a specific one. Are any on here, like, a always played at a concert sort of, sort of thing, or, or does this have a lot of the hidden gems on it when it's played? So she does two surprise songs every concert. Um, they're acoustic, one she does on guitar, one on piano. We went to night one in Detroit. Uh, they did not play any from Folklore. She did uh, Haunted from Speak Now. But Folklore, I think, has six or seven uh, songs that she does every single time on the concert. So that's actually some negative feedback she's gotten. Is She does a lot. She's like six or seven from Folklore, I think, and like four or five from Evermore. Don't quote me on that, but it's a lot of the concert. And these are her less popular albums. So 
that's the one pushback she's gotten on some of her tours because these are very she was laying down on the top of a cabin singing they do some kind of like mystical spell thing so people are a little confused because it's so different from what she normally does but they she pushes like a lot of these in her concert so it's great because i love it yeah the that that was like the folklore and evermore sets were definitely my favorite sets of the concert. Um, yeah. And yeah, like the actual stage set during the folklore songs is like, so interesting. I'll definitely, we'll definitely put some pictures of it. Like when we post this episode, just to like, you know, provide some context, but yeah, like the, it's like a giant cabin in the woods. Like it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and the lighting reflects it too. Like it's all green and yellow and. Yeah. Each album is an era. This is the folklore era. Mm-hmm. Love it. Now, uh, again, this is very unique, but yeah, I mean, it's good being around the bush here. We can dive into this thing. So again, this is Taylor Swift's eighth studio album released on July 24th, 2020, again, was that surprise COVID album where she had just a stream of consciousness and put it all together in a very short period of time. Um, it's very indie folk. I even said lo-fi a lot, um, but we'll break down a lot of these ballads as we continue through it. But it starts off with the one sitting at three minutes, 30 seconds. Yeah, the one I really like the piano intro and just I guess just the way it sets up the whole album in general. Um, but yeah, there's definitely kind of like an R and B feel to it as well. Um, has like a little bit of a swing to it, but yeah, just nice, soft, not like anything too crazy going on, but just sets a nice stage for the rest of the album i like the one it's one of the ones she uses in concert as part of her standard set but it didn't start out as part of her standard set because the one is actually a breakup song she originally had um which one did she have she originally had invisible string as the song that she used which is a love song and around may when she officially had like her breakup is when she like publicly was known that a breakup she moved it to the one which is a breakup song so it's the one where she's like laying down on top of the cabin and singing so i think it's funny that she moved it to one of her like deepest love songs to her uh one of her big breakup hits so i wonder now that travis kels is in the mix did the one get scrapped from the set and do they go back to invisible string no it's very specific to joe allen who she was with at the time oh so it wasn't even about maddie healy he she was with him for like two months no that was in the middle of the thing this was when it came out in 2020 well excuse me Get it together. <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh no so again this offers just a whole new style of kind of t-swift music uh, very laid back is what i put down with a lot of piano led but still has a pop lo-fi again beat and i mean how can you not like it when her first lines of the whole album are i'm doing good i'm on some new shit <laughs> say less That's true yeah like like we said to open it up like 
it's just very different than all of her other albums. Absolutely. Uh, but we continue down to what many consider the most popular on this album, which is Cardigan at three minutes and 59 seconds. Cardigan is actually, like I said, it's not one of, it's one of the only albums that's not autobiographical. It tells the story of like a love triangle. So throughout this album, there's a love triangle between Betty, James, and Inez. And it's told at different points of their lives in this love triangle from high school. And the cardigan is actually Betty, who is a girl when she was a teen. She was with this guy. He left her for Inez and then tried to come back to her. Cardigan is, I think, is Betty in her later years looking back at what happened with James that summer cat and how things ended and how she felt about it. So, like, I, I just think it's really funny because it's, it's, it's triangle and it's Betty looking back. And I think they don't say this anywhere. I've looked it up. My take on it is she let him go. It was her first love. She let him go. She moved on with her life. And just looking back at how much that first love impacted her. Yeah. I just noticed that like the tone starts to get like a little more somber and serious compared to the one. Um, there is one line that I guess stuck out to me from the song and that's when I guess it's how the song got its name, but she talks about like going into the closet. Would you pick me back up like an old cardigan? I didn't realize that this one album of the year at the Grammys as well. This was one of three that she had which was fearless and then oh yeah because she's re-releasing like all the other albums yeah wow so, yeah, fearless i think is like her second or oh, third was, album uh, 1989 was the other one that won it so she's won three album of the year so far and uh this 1989 is... is one that took her from like country to pop fearless is the one that initially put her on the map like, I know me and all my friends had the Fearless CDs in the car before you could hook up your phones. We'd always play the CDs dropping down. So. Yeah, Curly Hair, T-Swift. Yes. Yeah, no, this uh, uh, cardigan was, I don't know, it was very stripped down. I know uh, the violins just play a huge part in this. And I, I love just the warp synth that has a play throughout this entire album as well. Uh, again, very lo-fi, very indie, and... Just put you in a trance throughout this whole damn thing. Definitely. And yeah, so like the string arrangements, that's done by somebody named Bryce Dessner, who I'm guessing. So like the two main producers on this are Aaron Dessner and Jack. Yeah, Jack Antonoff. Um, who I think Jack is the one that's worked with Taylor like pretty much her whole career, right? Not her whole career. She'd speak now entirely on her own, but he's worked with her a lot. He's probably her most collaborated one. But I mean, like, like he goes back to the first album, doesn't he? I don't know. I think so. I'm not positive, but I didn't think so. But I'm guessing Bryce and Aaron are related because Dessner is a pretty specific last Three name. Brothers are twins. I think they're twins. 
anyways, Bryce is the one who's doing the the orchestration for the strings. Very good. Well, we'll continue down to number three, the last great American dynasty. Three minutes and 50 seconds. That one's my favorite. It's probably my favorite song of hers. I love that song. I just think it's fun. It's a fun hit. It's a great time. It's actually based on a, a house that she bought in Rhode Island. It's based on a real woman, Rebecca Harkness. Um, she was a middle-class divorcee, as the song says. She married into a prominent family. Um, when he passed pretty young, she just spent her life kind of partying, like they said, playing cards with Dolly, living it up in this Rhode Island house. All the fancy people did not like her. They looked down on her. She was genuinely fighting with the people she lived around. So she actually did steal a neighbor's dog and die at green. So a lot <laughs> of that, it's it's based in true facts. And I, I like that she tied in at the end because she bought this house. So this house sat empty. It did until Taylor bought this mansion in Rhode Island. So I think the last line is like, until it was bought by me. Hmm. So I like that she just kind of took it back to history. So it was just, it's one of my favorites. It's just a good, I don't, I don't really know music. Like you guys know music. I just like how songs make me feel and what emotions they evoke. And that one just is fun and rebellion and just here for a good time. And it's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's probably my favorite song off the album and, yeah, probably just favorite Taylor Swift song in general. It's copycat. Well, yeah, I mean it. It just is. It. I mean the song flows incredibly well. The song writing is great, and yeah, it's just catchy, but also good. Yeah, very indie and very uh, like I don't know drum pads man made a huge play on this album for sure yes definitely um james McAllister, he is the one who did the drum programming on this album um but actually it says here in the credits that that great last great american dynasty was drums were done by a fellow named jt bates but they list it as like full drums not programming so he must have like some some rig that he's running his drums through because i i agree like they sound like electronic drums interesting yeah no it's crazy what you can be able to do with any sort of instrument nowadays you have no idea what's making what noise you just yeah well yeah i mean like like, even if you have acoustic drums mic'd up you could you could run them through pedals and get them to make some weird noises true true all right let's continue down the path that we've already begun into number four exile featuring bon iver four minutes 45 seconds and that, I mean, this sounds like a Bon Iver song. Like, if you were to just like play this song and not know that it was on this album, I think most people would think it's a Bon Iver song featuring Taylor Swift, not the other way around. She works with him a lot. This one I think is interesting because it was actually written by her ex, who she uh, she quarantined with. So he wrote it under a pseudonym. But Joe, I always mess up his last name, Aldwin, Alwyn. He uh he was the one who wrote this. It's is one of his only writing credits. 
So it's just him and Taylor hanging out writing this together. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like so he he gets a songwriting credit on this song and Betty. Um, but he also gets a credit for production on this song too. It's funny, I, I I really just have not dove into much Bon Iver in my life. Like it's, I, so, it's hard. It's sad. It's also sad. Even those happy songs just make me feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, same. I guess from what I've understood, they're kind of like Mount Joy, but like with a traditional folk medium. So like not like Mount Joy like is like kind of folk music, but through like a rock medium. Okay, but I don't I don't really know because yeah I've never like fully dove into Bon Iver. I just know it's like slow indie folk music. Yeah, gotta give it a whirl. Gotta give it a whirl for sure. Um, but yeah, no, this one is just another again very stripped down one. All these songs so far have also been just piano led. Mm-hmm. Um, completely which yeah is very interesting especially as we continue down the album a couple things take over but uh yeah no i i guess is you got the vinyl right in front of you where are we on the vinyl that's that's why i'm going to look up on my phone right now because yeah, you're gonna freak out no no yeah pick <laughs> it up <laughs> don't touch my vinyl. it'll just be easier to look it up though than to have to actually pull out the disc okay. Yeah, so Exile ends. We we literally listened to this on Friday, so I should know. But yeah, Exile ends the A side. I'll actually I'll take out one of the discs because the, the packaging on the vinyl is actually really quality. So yeah, like here you got lyrics, got pictures too, nifty, and then the discs are like tan. So it's very yeah. natural nature. A lot of a lot of effort went into the art with this vinyl, which yeah, it's it's like a very complete piece of art. I don't know. Some you know, some of those vinyls you get doesn't even open, it's just got a generic sleeve. The disc might still be fire, but it is it definitely enhances the vinyl experience when you got like, you know full complete packaging and artwork to digest as you're listening. Hundred B, hundred B. Gab, do you think Club needs more vinyls? No. Our house I'm genuinely concerned about the weight in that room. Like that room <laughs> I want somebody to look at the structural soundness for how oh, many Okay vinyls. engineer. <laughs> yeah. It's concerning. <laughs> I'm really worried he's gonna fall down and be crushed under them one day. Uh, I guess we'll just have to move some into the family room, Absolutely man. Not. That's how he wants to go. He, that's how he wants to go is by vinyl. By vinyl. <laughs> oh, great. Give great. it to me. <laughs> but, All right. Yeah. No, we're flipping oh, this ahead. thing. So we're going to the B side. We are. Double we're... disker. Love it. All right. So as we flip this bad boy over, we are headed into number five. My tears ricochet. Four minutes, fifteen seconds. 
It's actually probably my second favorite. The next two in a row kind of are top for me. This is the only song written entirely by Taylor. And she mentions that it's in her eyes written by somebody who was tormenting this person and then showing up to their funeral and just sitting there tormenting them. But most people think that it's more written about the scooter issue and her masters being sold. So that's what most people see it as. And I just like it because it's really angry and I'm always down for some angry music. So it's just, it's very soulful and sweet, but you can just feel the rage in there. The thing that I noticed the most about the song was more on the production end and like the panning. And you really notice this when you listen to this on vinyl. Um, Cause yeah, today I listened to it again, but it was just from Spotify to my Bluetooth speaker and you could still hear it, but not to the same level. When you listen to this on vinyl, like literally sounds like, Taylor is like in every direction and like she will say one thing and it'll sound like it's coming from behind you and then she'll say like another part of the song and it's like she's right in front of you then she's over to your right like the production pans her voices all over the track and it's like coming like if you're listening to it with headphones it's just bopping from ear to ear it's like a very cool interesting different acoustic experience i think this is the first time i've ever seen the word ricochet spelled out (laughs) i almost watched the living hell out of that thing (laughs) i agree i'm glad i i kept together under that pressure um but no it's it, it has like an angelic singing to start and i mean you can mention it so many times with uh, female specific vocalists that are able to layer their vocals so well it's it it is in, insane it's very thought out and it might only happen for a couple of seconds but like i'm sure there are so many different takes on that but i also mentioned as well that uh, piano led majority of this but this is kind of a violin led song and i believe yeah it's like again the first one that i really saw something different than the piano leading this thing Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the build is crazy, um, you know, towards the end. Well, I mean, just throughout the song, but like it really, you know, has like a climatic effect towards the end of it. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Back to like, I guess the vocals, like you were talking about, like all the different takes, like I like there's got to be probably like 50 different vocal tracks on this at least especially yeah. with all the panning have you listened to midnights yet in that one they start to play and they'll change her voice down to make it sound even masculine and they continue that theme so the first time you really see it is in folklore but they continue that theme into the latest album that's so well, that's yeah i do notice that that is a little different than vocal panning though that's just like i guess audio effects you said 50 takes of the same thing and i was like hey i know something turns out i know nothing (laughs) well i guess no it's all opinions yeah i guess what you're saying though could also be achieved through a bunch of different takes if she's like deliberately singing that way to like make her voice sound low yeah no this this is uh yeah no 
very very interesting one for sure um but we will continue to number six a mere ball three minutes 28 seconds yeah, mirror ball. I thought this one, like just like the feel of it, had more of like a rock feel to it. It kind of sounded like a Haim song in a way. I love this one for the lyrics. I, I mean, I love the theme as well. It's kind of very, it's more almost poppy sounding than some of her others, but I love it for the lyrics just because it resonates so much. She's saying, I'll show you every version of yourself. So like I feel like me and a lot of women, I do better in one-on-one situations because I'll kind of tailor and reflect my personality to match that person's. And that's what she does. She's she's tailoring and reflecting herself to match somebody else. So that's what she's doing. She's a reflection of that person. She's walking that tightrope. She's trying so hard. It's people-pleasing. It's trying too hard. It's trying to be liked by everybody. And it's putting it in like a, not bubblegum pop because it's still very folky, but more poppy than the rest of the album's. So it's more like, look at me, I'm, I'm doing this, like, I'm reflecting you, we're good. So I just liked mm-hmm. that that vibe. It resonates pretty well in my life. This reminded me of that song, I want to soak up the sun. But it was like yeah. a slowed down version of it a little bit. That Jerome poppy Crow. feel. Yeah, that that is immediately what came to my head. But then as I like continue listening, I... Uh, sparked Florence the machine vibes like none other. And I definitely marked that on some future songs coming up here as well. Oh yeah. Say the next one I could definitely see that. Well let's hit it man. Number seven. Seven. Three minutes, twenty eight seconds again. The heart. So yeah, yeah, that totally gives it the flow comparison because how many other bands like have a heart player on retainer <laughs> like <laughs> but yeah it's just like a super dreamy song and it just i don't know it it hits nice this is definitely one of my favorite ones on the album do either of you know what it's about like laid on us no it's actually um it's about her looking back to when she was seven and one of her mm-hmm. friends was uh, pretty badly being abused by her dad. And as a Yikes. seven-year-old, she doesn't know it. And then she looks back as an adult and finally it clicks what happens. So that's why it kind of jumps back and forth between the past and the present. So that's why they have that dreamy vibe in there is it's her looking back and saying, oh my gosh, I didn't realize. So like in the lyrics, you can see she'll be like, oh, come stay with me. So I don't know. It it, wow. it makes sense where you're saying that it's very dreamy. It's very jumping back and forth because that's that's actually what it's about. Wow. She is such an incredible storyteller and just being able to transport you. I say this in some future ones coming up, but like being able to specifically put you in a place and time that, that yeah, she's elite with that. And then at the end, you just get lost in the sauce. They just like throw you in this a complete whirlpool. Yeah, this one's awesome. It, and yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So that takes us into track number eight. Also the eighth month of the year, August. Four minutes, 21 seconds. 
Interesting fact. Didn't even put that together, Club. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, I, I mean, it didn't occur to me either that Seven was the seventh track on the album until today. And then, yeah, same thing with August. I'm like, oh, it's the eighth month, and it's track eight. I love this one. This one goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the um, three-way triangle. This is the second song on that three-way triangle. And this is from Inez's perspective, who is the other woman. So in this teenage love triangle, this is about the summer. This is about her getting this man that she's always wanted and then watching him slip away at the end of August as he tries to go back to Betty, who he loved. So it's her perspective of wanting somebody so bad, finally getting them and then feeling them slip away through your fingers. Good storytelling. No, that is, I mean, it's crazy to be able to have a theme like that, like the love triangle you said throughout the whole album. So there's only three songs that specifically rotate around that or are they like sprinkled in throughout all? Explicitly stated, but if you look at like illicit affairs, that one's about affair. So it kind of, it's three songs that are explicitly about it, but all the rest of the songs kind of pull in themes and elements. Does she play those three songs together at the concert? No, I know she plays Betty and she plays Cardigan. So basically she plays Betty and Cardigan, but not August, which is unfortunate. August is my favorite of the three. August needs some street cred, Taylor. Yeah, yeah well, that's probably my favorite of the three, too. Love it. Well, we will continue past August. So I'm assuming now are we ditching this disc? Uh, I think we have one more. Let me let me double check. And I guess to answer my other question, is the vinyl the deluxe edition? Yeah, I think I don't actually think they sell the vinyl without the bonus track. Maybe they do. I think it's kind of like the Rihanna one. Like if you get the vinyl, you get the bonus track. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's definitely how they usually do it. If not, like, why would you buy the vinyl without the extra song? Like, pay the extra three bucks. (laughs) True that, true that. Well, all right, then we'll stick on this B-side with number nine. This is me trying. Three minutes, 15 seconds. Yeah, this one is, like, very string-driven, too, on the music end, I think. And, yeah like definitely seems to take like a darker sadder turn compared to august yeah this one is i think one of her more autobiographical ones this is in my opinion about when she went and disappeared for a year and a half like we were saying you got sick of her you got sick of her you guys were just casual listeners before and then you wanted nothing to do with it and that's what happened for a lot of people they wanted nothing to do with her they were burnt out by her People were done with her in the news. So she said, I'm trying so hard. I'm walking this tightrope. I'm trying to please everybody. And it ended up just kind of blowing up in her face. So this was kind of a going back to that time period in her life that was really hard and saying, hey, I'm trying so hard. And now everybody's turned against me. So it's a really sad song. I feel like it resonates with a lot of people because I'm sure. I, I know I did. You, you go through this phase where you're like, I'm trying so hard and nothing's working out. So. You know, it's very sad. It's home. Yeah, no, you can only get people, I feel like, that just like you so much, and then it, there's a whole other side of the hill, and um, that can definitely happen with anyone that rises to that amount of fame and amount of recognition. 
people just want to pick apart what they don't have and stuff. So, no, I feel yeah. that. And again, it could be a minor moment that could just turn you off from whatever you're not even music, just anything. But yeah, no, this was very drum led and by far was the one that had her voice like soaked in reverb. Like sure, like her voice was in a different dimension listening to this thing. Um and uh I don't know, it yeah. I mean it's unbelievable how like the whole album just has a vibe to it. I keep going back to lo fi, but um it's an unbelievable just I don't know, composition. You gotta listen to this thing all the way through. Like that is kind of how I feel uh from doing it. <laughs> Yeah, and so, yeah, Spruce, you're talking about the drums. Jack Antonoff, one of the two lead producers, he is actually playing live drums on this song. Yeah, it's like going for like the first 30 seconds. All right, so, yeah, that wraps up the first disc. B-side over, put it back get out the second disc and you start the seaside with track 10 illicit affairs, illicit affairs yeah, three minutes and 10 seconds here as well i mean all these songs are either like right like three minutes but none of them go past five minutes they're just in a perfect bubble yeah they're in like that three to four sweet spot i like illicit affairs it's uh obviously about an affair and the process of this girl going through and it's like i think they said start in hotel rooms end in the back of cars i I like that how how she actually wrote this album is all three of them were quarantined separately and he would send her music she would send back notes he would send her more music and then she would write based on the type of music that he sent her so this one was more just kind of i think it was more haunting and that's just what spoke to her in that moment so it I think it ties in well with the love triangle theme. So just a good song. Yeah, this is actually the shortest track on folklore. Three minutes, ten seconds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good song. Dark, eerie feel to it. Definitely, we were talking about harmonies as well. Like, I, I think this is where they're the most elite. Um, she does an incredible job doing that, and I just keep going back to Florence, man. Like, definitely had to have been inspired in some way by her albums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both of them kind of got popular around the same time. Could definitely see that. Absolutely. And this was released under Republic Records. I don't know if we've said that. No. Definitely not under Big Machine Records. (laughs) Hell no. (laughs) Go to your homework, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what we're talking about. And if you don't know what we're talking about and you made it this far in the episode, congrats to you. Number 11, we continued on the path of the seaside, Invisible String. Four minutes, 12 seconds. I like Invisible String. It's, it's got a good message. It's very love, lovey love ballad that there's something always tying you to this person no matter how far you go. It just makes me feel home. Just 
it's not my favorite of the ones she's written for some reason. It's it's a great song. It's very sweet, but just not one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, I guess the main thing I like about it is, yeah, I guess just the songwriting, like, has, like, a good feel to it, but I guess there's nothing, like, specific that, like, stands out. I just loved uh, how we talked about, like, her putting you in a specific place in time. In this one, I'm pretty sure she mentions, like, working at, like, a yogurt shop, and uh, I just, like, again, it just flashes you back to just... I don't know, that high school period of your life and being able to find relatable things, whether you worked at a yogurt shop or not, that you can definitely go to a memory working somewhere like that. Um, but yeah, that and then the acoustic guitar is kind of what stood out for me on this one. Uh, yeah, very, very evident throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah, those are visible strings. <laughs> Dad joke. Be <laughs> <laughs> a better dad if we got a cat. He'd be a cat dad. Making jokes. Look at that. Look at that Look cat right cute. there. Look how cute. Clarence. Big snooze. But yeah, no, he has so much to say. So much to say. Little baby. Got a lot of feelings. All cats do. Is he Absolutely. in a nice house in the sky? He's even got central heating and we're all right. <laughs> but we do continue down the path to number 12. Mad Woman, three minutes and 57 seconds. Another one of my favorites. All rage. All the time. I love the rage. This is, as you said, about the scooter, about her records being sold out from under her. Um, Her master, sorry, being sold out from under her. And she says it's about a widow who the town turns on and how enraged uh, that woman is about it as they're trying to burn her at the stake. But it's really clear throughout the thing that it is about um, this man going behind her back, stealing her record or selling her masters, not to her and just the anger and the pain that you feel when somebody who's very close to you turns on you. So I'm always down for some raging music. It's, very good, very angry. I love it. Yeah. And it's just interesting how, yeah, she like points out, like, I wasn't mad before. I wasn't going scorched earth before. It was because all this stuff happened. No woman goes scorched earth for no reason. People mess up. They come oh. around. Oh, I, I see. No, this one is just a ballad on the piano as well. I mean, definitely. Who, yeah, Let me whoever's see laying find the credit. Whoever's laying this shit down is like got it going on. Are right, so are all of her like producers like and people playing with her on this tour as well, or like does she have just like a backing band or? Um, Jack Antonoff's shown up as a guest on some of it. But her live band is the same live band she's had since the beginning. At least the guitarist is. I don't know about the others. I, I believe, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure the bassist and the drummer, too. You also got to think if you were in that live band, why would you? Like, I would clear my schedule. Like, the money in that tour is probably better than whatever other tour offers you'd have on the table. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm actually... 
Okay, James McAllister is doing the the keys on on that song. Shout out to him. And I I I, I don't know. I should have done my research beforehand. One of Taylor Swift's guitarists is from Cleveland, Ohio. And I know that for a fact because my uncle Sammy Free, who plays in a lot of bands around town, was trying to potentially hook the Stallions up with getting this person on said final Stallion show. So I don't want to release anything more, but do your research, people, if you want to find out who potentially may be coming on. The plot thickens. Big promises. Better deliver. There's no promises. There's yeah. there's nothing. I didn't even name a name. I think you signed in blood. It's too late now. Who? Who? Blood of my blood. <laughs> <laughs> no, this will just encourage people more to go listen to some other Vinyl Stallions episodes. We have some other kick-ass guests out there and people who are highlighted in the music scene that you may not know and help make the world go round. Go and listen to all of our 100-plus right, episodes right, right now. And we will continue down our sweet, sweet path to Epiphany. Sitting at number 13, 4 minutes, 49 seconds. So it makes me really sad. It's about frontline workers. So it's a tribute to the frontline workers. And uh, she's comparing them to people in war, soldiers in war. Because, I mean, that's what it was, is everybody seeing all that death in front of you every day is absolutely horrifying. So this one, it's a tough one. It's great. It's just, I can't listen to it and repeat. It's just too sad. And so, yep, your boy JT Bates is back on the drums on this one, Spruce. Um, But yeah, the orchestral arrangement, I think, on this one is what really gets me. Like, it almost sounds like an Enya song. Yes, so I... (laughs) Very specific. Uh, Klepp doesn't watch movies, so he may not know. But Gab, if you have ever watched the Harry Potter series, then the Deathly Hollows, which is the last one, there's a scene where Harry goes and visits Dumbledore in like a Cloudville at like a train station. And I just was listening to this on a walk, and I was like, I feel like I'm in that scene right now when listening to this track. Have you watched the tour? I have not. I know there. No, well, I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not really, honestly. I know there was like a movie actually that came out. Yeah, there's one where you would feel like that. I'm gonna show you the little clip of it. It's she's singing either from this one or Evermore, and they're holding little globes of white in a forest and like doing some kind of weird witchy <laughs> stuff. And that's exactly what it feels like. It's the same vibes. You nailed the vibes. Love it, love it. I'm glad I can uh, hit it on the TV. Yeah, send that over. And. I have actually seen all Harry Potter movies up through, I think the fifth one is the fifth one, Prisoner of Azkaban. That's yep. when I stopped. <laughs> I wow. I honestly That's didn't, enough. I didn't like, I really didn't like them. And I was like, why am I, I'm just going to these because all my friends are watching them. I no, don't Prisoner like of Azkaban movies. was the third. Order of the Phoenix was the fifth. What the hell? Okay. Then that JJ, I was judging. Yeah, no, then, I like paused real quick and I'm like, wait a minute, fifth Noah. Azkaban's the third. That's yeah, my favorite. I, I I watched them growing up because all my friends were into it, and then I hit a certain point where I was like, I don't actually like these movies. You're more of a haunted mansion <laughs> guy with Eddie Murphy. Forever's and ever's. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. 
All uh, right. But that ends the C side. And so then we flip it over to the last side of music. And it begins with one of my favorite songs on the album. This might have been like the song that when we saw her, I think she may have had like the best performance of, in my opinion, but it is Betty. It's it's one of my favorite songs, yeah, like studio, but also like the show we went to live, like I think I think that might be the song that she executed the best. So Betty is the end of that love triangle. So we've heard from Betty in Cardigan talk, looking back as an older woman, I'm assuming in like her thirties or forties on her first love. You hear from Inez in August about probably around the time it's happening as James is slipping through her fingertips. And then this one, Betty is James at 17. As he says, I know nothing. I'm only 17 coming back to Betty and saying, Hey, it's the end of the summer. I'm done hooking up with this girl. I want my fall girl back. Can I come back to you? And it's saying, he's saying, Oh, I don't know if she'll take me back or if she'll tell me to fuck off and slam the door in my face. So that's kind of what he's debating is, it's leading right up to this big moment where he goes back and tries to get back his girl. So to me, I, I love the song. It's a great song. I just hate James. He's a 17 year old idiot as all 17 year old men are, as I'm sure you both were the worst. Well, what I want to know is, did it work? Like uh, he says, I showed up at your party, but what we don't know is, yeah, did he get the door thrown on his face? Like what happened? Well, you have to listen to Cardigan and then decide for yourself. As I said in the beginning, I'm hoping 17-year-old Betty was much smarter than the idiot and said, nah, you're done, sir. So We need proof. We need to know. <laughs> That's not how stories work. That's not how folklore works. It's open to interpretation. Hit it on the nail there, Gab. Yep. If you want to know, go restart the cycle and you'll just be stuck in that loop until Ever. forever, well, you know forever and ever. <laughs> There's going to be a bonus track to the bonus track folklore Kleps version, and I'm gonna tell the ending for everyone. Does he get her? Does he get her back? Does the idiot get back the girl he threw away? You're, you're gonna have to listen. Hope not. Got a Republic Records on the phone. <laughs> 2024 release. Absolutely not. Throw that man away. Throw most men away. I love it. This was also the song that a harmonica makes an appearance. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the harmonica for uh, leading the way for us this time around. Um, but again, just throwing you in, I think she mentions uh, homerooms and it, like in school, like what is just a specific memory of like grade school and shit? Just not only do you, are you in a grade, but what is your homeroom? I got Mrs. Foster. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. Like when that's how the song started is like, I know you, Switched her homeroom. It was probably because of me. Yep. Interesting for sure. But all right. Another proof. Josh Kaufman. That's the guy who played the harmonica. And he's also playing steel guitar on that song, too. So he's doing it at the same time. That'd be really impressive. No, probably two sets. Well, actually, <laughs> he could. Yeah. Go check out though, Bruce that. Springsteen. That man, yeah. That man can do it. All right, we got. All right, so we're on number fifteen now, and also Betty was the longest song on this album, sitting at four minutes fifty four seconds. 
Okay. Um, but Just we'll roll. shy of five. Yeah, again, you got to stay in that bubble. But we'll go to number 15. Peace. Three minutes, 54 seconds. Yeah, this song was like an interesting relationship topic i thought i don't i don't know i'm as has been stated on the show many times i'm not a lyrics guy so often when i interpret lyrics it's very different than how most people interpret them but it seemed like it was like kind of discussing a relationship topic about how like two people could like theoretically be good for each other but if there's like something that one person does that's like jarring or unsettling to the other person it can just like collapse the entire dynamic of the relationship because the other person is never at peace i like that that was a great take you can't bring your old baggage into a new relationship nice adam I think her, I, I, I love that. That's probably how I would see it too. I think if you look it up though, she's done a bunch of interviews where she says, anybody that I'm with never gets their private life. I can't, I can't protect them. So like one of her best friends, her wedding turned into a total spectacle and the girl's just a normal girl. It just, she grew up being really one of Taylor's really good friends. She's in one of the earlier songs about like losing her virginity at 15 or something. And that wedding was a media circus. Like Taylor showed up, they brought her in like a box to try to hide her. They had choppers flowing overhead. Like it was a whole thing. So like anybody she's with, whether it's a friend, whether it's anything, you are in her circle of just craziness. So I personally think for a personal level for her, it's probably about the fact that like she can't bring her family, her friends, anybody. She can't be their piece. She brings an entire zoo with her. But I do love your take, and that's how I kind of see it, too. Well, that, that does totally tie into my take. So, like, from what I was saying, like, that thing that would be very unsettling to the other person would be the media attention that she attracts. No, exactly. Perfect. I love that. I just meant from a more holistic point of view for, like, a day-to-day person, we're not bringing in choppers when we're hanging Right, out. yeah. We're like, if it were you and I, it would be, like, something like playing loud music all the time. Yes, because that's the biggest (laughs) issue we have. (laughs) Well, you guys hit on the themes. I'm just going to go literals with this take. And it has a, I don't even know why, like an electric pulse is kind of how I put it um, throughout that whole song. This more lo-fi and then has a smooth electric guitar throughout that whole thing as well. So again, a very unique, different track than all those other ones definitely Uh, but yeah all right what do you got so the next one i thought we were finishing here i uh, we got a line on which ones we're doing so well i mean this has the bonus track so i think we gotta do the bonus track. yeah we stick to the vinyls whatever the vinyls say so okay track number 16 hoax which yeah very piano driven i think just sort of has like a nice flow and feel to it it would be like i can see how this is like the end of like the regular version of the album like it is like a decent concluding track um but it also doesn't have to be like it's just like like I said, it has like this great flow and feel. It could end an album or it could lead into a different song. 
And so maybe it was the perfect song to put here. Okay. So it's about a relationship that has problems. I think it's about a relationship that has problems, but makes it. So maybe this is your closing to Betty and James. Maybe they make it. And this is the song saying they make it. Or maybe it's all a hoax. Maybe. <laughs> I just felt like this encompassed like the whole album. And um, also, again, it being a surprise album. Um, the ending of the song just like drops off, honestly. And I just, uh, in my mind, I was like, oh, just like, what a perfect way. She's like, I don't have an ending. Like, fuck it. We'll just drop in this thing off and put it out how it is. She's on her new shit. Dropping into the next album that's just considered a sister album. And you just triggered a thought, Spruce. So like you said, it was like a surprise album. How many NDAs do you think had to get signed while this was being made? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like a textbook full. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of shit had to go on. It's the album design, like, but hell, yeah. people have time off. Photography, like, holy shit, all these pictures. <laughs> but it was all during COVID, so surely there can't be that many people involved. Oh, I can tell you Taylor wasn't taking those herself. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, no, this was an uh, interesting way to definitely the normal album i guess i don't know people gotta just i don't know put all the tracks on one album call it an album i'm done with deluxes <laughs> it is it is confusing yeah for sure. just drop like seven of them i've given up i'm like when you get to the last one let me know the one that has all of them that's what i'll download yeah the deluxe album only yeah well that we were talking a little bit about the album midnights before and that has like three different versions and they the like songs keep getting added to it is that not like, what i just said do i exist that's what i just I thought said. You're talking about oh okay i thought you're talking about a different album because <laughs> well the 1990 1989 you have the original version you have the original del- deluxe version then you have taylor's version and then you have the deluxe version of taylor's version I also have a live version from a concert like i think there's a live drop from May- maybe i mean that that goes in a different category but yeah. point being there's a lot of different versions of taylor's albums absolutely but there's only one the lakes bonus track which is where we'll end at number 16 and that is sitting at three minutes and 31 seconds I'm going to be completely honest. We were listening to this on Friday. Adam has a thousand million records. Probably. How many do you actually have at this point? Uh, Over a thousand. Somewhere between 600 and 700. I would have guessed a thousand. It's horrifying in that room. I never get to listen to the ones I want to listen to. I get to listen to them once, once, and that's it. Because we have so many to get through. And we were listening to this one on Friday because I finally bullied into getting my way. And I thought the album ended. And then he goes, no, there's another song. I've listened to this song, this album on repeat while I was pinning the house by myself on repeat. Never realized there was a bonus album. Finally figured it out on Friday. Heard it for the first time on Friday. Well, that wasn't the first time you've heard it for sure. (laughs) But in my defense, this is one of the most frequently spun albums in the Club Signal house. No, twice, four, five times easily. No, they absolutely not. (laughs) <laughs> 600 700 albums selective like memory yeah you do have a selective memory <laughs> it sounds like uh yeah you guys just have to have one night vinyl six months each i'll be the mediator ready break
but it, so so Gab, what'd you think of this though? Like like actually taking it in um, over the weekend. I liked it. It just kind of had a more peaceful quality to me. I can't even like I don't remember any of the lyrics. I don't really remember what was forward if it was piano or harmonica or whatever it was. I just thought it was a nice peaceful way to finish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it sounded like a more traditional type of song that you would close an album with. Like, I don't know, it just seems like the general formula is like your last song can go one of two ways. It's either like the freaking craziest nine minute song on the album, or it's like just like a softer, more acoustic-y one, which is like the direction this one went. What Absolutely. was really cool is like if you listen to this on Spotify, final version's way better. But if you listen to it on Spotify, there is a cool video that goes along with it that if it's not Taylor as a kid, it's somebody that looks like Taylor as a qu- a kid just like swinging on this like swing that somebody put up on a tree next to a lake. Love it. All right. Well, we are on a shot clock, ladies and gentlemen. Let's rattle off our top three songs of the album. Gab, you want to lead us off? Sure. I want to look at it. <laughs> um, my absolute top favorite. <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> my, my absolute favorite is The Last Great American Dynasty, followed in a tie by My Tears Ricochet and Mirror Ball. That's a good top three. What about you, Spruce? Um, so I am going to have to go with the first track. I love the one. Um, and then I like that new shit. I like that new shit. And then August was actually one I felt like I like recognized maybe just from listening on our playlist. It's come up, but love that one. And then I'll go my tears ricochet as well. That is a great song. Not bad. Some anger, I, some breakup, some rage. Love it. I think I'm gonna go definitely last Great American Dynasty, and then has to be seven. Oh, I'm like torn between August, Betty, and Invisible String. So you're just picking five. Um, no, I think I'm gonna go Betty. In my head, it was August, but I'm I'm audibling. I'm going Betty, but special mention to August and Invisible String. Of course, you're like the 17-year-old idiot. I can picture you as 17 <laughs> being a dumbass. Team James. Hey. Have your cake and eat it too, James. Smart thing to say right now. Let's see how much I kick your ass later. We're on. Li- we're live on video. <laughs> Anything you do can will be used against you in a court of law. law. <laughs> Love it. Well, Gab, shout out to you for picking this album. Again, just a whole new world of Taylor Swift for myself. And uh, we'll definitely be diving into a lot more. And hopefully she's making some more stuff. Like an era's review of a concert review, JJ. The biggest concert in the world right now. And no one wants to review it. Uh, Hey, 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 we never said we didn't want to. We went to it in June. We just put out a Santana concert review for, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I we'll guess that was we'll June play. as well, right around the same time. So yeah, we're due. <laughs> we are due indeed. Behind the eight ball. But but yep, shout out to uh yep, shout out T Swift, shout out to you, Gab, Clep. Great, great choice. And to continue our Women in Music Series Part Two.
Alright. And if there's nothing else, I'm Clep. Gabrielle, I'm not a person. You are a person. And Let's I'm try a that one more time. I'm Clep. Gabrielle. And I am Spruce. And this has been another episode of Vinyl Stalin. Oh, <laughs>